if you, I'm used to standing in the middle of the stairs, now I've got to stand in the middle of the, the baptismal. If you uh, have not had a chance to serve with royal family, I would strongly encourage you to, to figure out how to do that. It's, there's lots of opportunities, as Carol, Carolyn mentioned, and lots of ways that you can come alongside that ministry. But um, I had the privilege of being the, the chaplain or the lead chaplain, and that's a unique spot. It's, uh, it's a little overwhelming at times, to be honest, because... Uh, we get to try to present something while also receiving something at the same time. And the, the people that serve and the kids that, that come into the, the camp are just beautiful human beings. As Carolyn said, not uh, troubled or underprivileged. Just carry some scars and some wounds from the past. But the future with Jesus looks really, really bright. One of the things that uh, we don't talk a ton about Um, but needs to be referenced is I know of at least three young people who accepted Jesus as their savior that week. And we don't talk a lot about that at camp because we kind of let that be the undercurrent. And then on Friday, well, Thursday and Friday, uh, kids are given an opportunity to, to make a decision to walk in faith. And God is faithful in those moments. The scripture says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to see it unto completion. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to, to pray for these young ones who are new in our faith, our brothers and sisters, for those that uh, maybe are going home and wondering a little bit more about the gift that they've been given, maybe a little bit more about the king that they have seen. Um, yeah, keep them in prayer. This little starfish has been a symbol for royal family, I think from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, one of our counselors made a significant investment and, and got all of the, the staff, a starfish, to remind us of the, the kids that we maybe helped along the way. I think it was also a gift to remind us that, that someone else has helped us along the way and that God saw fit to, to save and redeem us. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful ministry. It has kingdom impact, and we're part of it, and it's a joy to be part of it. I'm Pastor Joe, it's good to be here with you on, on this Sunday morning. Tom did a wonderful job last week in articulating the, the, who we are as individuals and what it looks like to have healthy relationships and to be yoked together. And we're in the, the second week of a sermon series titled Marriage and Family. Last week, Tom got to unpack the reality that first, the, the foundation for a, a healthy relationship, whether it be in marriage or just in relationships in general, is love. First comes that, that platform of love. Then after that comes marriage. And I want to just, uh, before we start, I want to invite you to pray for me this morning. I think God has something special for us today as we talk about marriage. This is God's thing. From the very beginning, this has been God's thing. And we're going to look at the scriptures and uh, maybe some practical ways that it can become our thing again uh, through the grace of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. But let's pray. Holy and gracious God, this is uh, a unique opportunity that you have afforded to us to be here right now to receive some teaching, some encouragement, some instruction from you. And God, maybe to, to re- redirect the ship that's gone off course. So God, I ask that, uh, that you remove the man and reveal the son. And that by your Holy Spirit, you would 
receive glory and honor and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Marriage is a, a topic that at times becomes a little bit touchy. So I want to recognize that, that for some this is also a painful subject. Um, please know that God sees you and God knows you. God knows the pain that you're feeling and the, the, the scars that you too have navigated and the troubles just like the, the kids that we got to be with all week, the troubles that maybe you've had to navigate uh, in this covenant of marriage. I also want you to know that uh, marriage is defined by God. We don't get to redefine that. That God has been crystal clear uh, from the beginning of time about what marriage is. And I want to just invite you to be very specific and intentional. Look to, look to the scriptures for the answers. And I want to share with you a couple of things about the Bible. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we take things out of context. Ask some good questions when you're reading the scriptures. Ask, who is saying this right now? Or, or what, how God are you speaking to us? Because sometimes we, we read in scripture, if you read, uh, the, if you read any, of the, any of the Old Testament, you're going to find that, that many people had lots of wives and they had concubines and you're going to ask some questions well that must be this is the word of God and this is what God said to do well this is the word of God and it articulates what God has given us for for hope and for life and for godliness it also records the people of God and their missteps along the way God has never wavered that marriage is a union a covenant between one man and one woman Genesis articulates that. And then if you've got your Bibles, I want to just make it really crystal clear. We can go to the Gospel of Matthew in the 19th chapter when Jesus is being questioned specifically about divorce. His response to that is he gives the Pharisees who are trying to trap him a very clear answer in verses 4, 5, and 6. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, here we are at the beginning again, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And the creator said, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and his father and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no one put asunder or let no man separate there's a lot of nuggets of gold in that little passage alone. But the reason I wanted to start there was to give the framework for what marriage is. We may try to call it something different today, but it is still a marriage as defined by God, and he gets to define that. It's also the space where we experience some of the greatest joys in life. Just a brief show of hands, how many of you are married? Praise God. At the end of the service today, we did this a couple of months ago, but at the end of the service today, I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to pray a blessing over you. I want to encourage you too that you can't get back yesterday, you can't even get back this morning, but you do have this moment right now to start processing forward maybe a little bit differently. I remember one of the first times I uh, read 1 Corinthians 13, and it's what's often been termed the love chapter in Scripture was in preparation for my wedding 23 years ago. 23 years ago, this 19-year-old kid and this 23-year-old woman. <laughs> I can't believe I just told you that. <laughs> I, if you're online with us this morning, honey, I'm sorry about that one. 
said, I do, on July 7th, on a hot day, in a church in downtown Rochester. My dad officiated that wedding, and he said to us, he said, Joe, this, uh, this passage in Scripture that you've chosen, if you will allow this to become the, the framework for your marriage, you're going to experience things in marriage that others don't experience. You know, when we sat there standing, you know, how many, you remember the day. Think back for a moment. Your hands are sweaty. You're gazing into their eyes. You're nervous because you don't want to talk in front of people. And you're thinking to yourself, I want to have this the rest of my life. I want to have the feeling that I have right now, this, this sense of joy and peace and maybe excitement. Maybe there's even a little bit of anxiety mixed in there at times. I want this because one of the final things that you say in that moment is till death do us part. God uh, is pretty good at marriage and he invites us to be pretty good at it also, understanding that we cannot do that alone. If I could give you just one nugget of gold, if you, if you hear nothing else, we're going we're gonna to use game, a game as an analogy, but if you hear nothing else today, Keep Jesus at the center of your marriage. Keep Jesus at the center of your marriage. And the other thing is you're going to kind of work through life. There's going to be joys. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be fights. Please don't think you're never going to argue. But if you keep Jesus at the center, you get to experience what others aren't. But that God wants them to. You know, typically uh, in, in marriage sermons, we'll invite people to stand up for how long they've been married. And uh, we were at the Lakewood United Methodist Church. Uh, this was just before I came into ministry, so 17 years ago. My dad had recently passed, and Pastor Vi Davidson was preaching on marriage, and she invited couples to stand for how long they'd been married, you know. And it's kind of like the dance at the reception. You stay out there as long as you possibly can. And... Uh, and Vi was, you know, she was at 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. And my mom's still standing. I said, Mom, Dad, you didn't make it 25 years. Dad passed away on the 24th year. She goes, I was faithful to him and my first husband. It's not my fault. The Lord took them. I'm standing for both of them right now. <laughs> and I thought about that a little bit, right? My mom, and it's obviously impacted me. I've come back to that several times. You know, some of you might be experiencing the joy of, of second marriage. Some of you might be experiencing some of the, the pain of divorce. And let's not sugarcoat that. Let's not pretend that it doesn't hurt and just rob people. I mean, it does. But you found marriage after divorce. And you're here today. Praise God for that. Be faithful at what you are investing in. Marriage is a journey. I think it was Dr. Dobson who said that the, the joys in life are doubled and the, the sorrows are cut in half. It's the space where God reveals the Trinity to his human beings also. When Christ is the center of your marriage, the two become one flesh and experience community like in no other relationship. 
I know when I said I do, and I'm guessing you did also, that you intended it to be a good journey <laughs> and fun, all right? You don't want to be the couple that's just sitting there scowling at each other at the diner all day long. You want to enjoy life together, right? And life and marriage has all kinds of seasons. For those of you that aren't married right now, I want to just talk to you just for a moment. If you're in a, in a dating relationship and you're not getting married for some reason, I want to encourage you to get married. Get married. Don't be afraid of marriage. Sometimes we, we wait, we want to wait forever to do this, right? You want, I'm going to give you all the Pasco juice right now. You ready? I started dating my wife on August 11th, 1999. I asked her to marry, I told her I loved her for the first, I said I love you first. I'm not going to tell you who kissed who first, that's not your business. It wasn't this guy. I told her I loved her a little over a month later, and I meant it at a basketball tournament. On February 14th, you know what day that is, right? This kid borrowed money from his brother to buy an engagement ring that didn't come in on time, but I was bound and determined to ask her to marry me. I got down on one knee and put the ring on her finger, and you know what she said? She said, yes. I'm like, yes. Earlier that day, we have varying stories here. So the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Earlier that day, I asked her if she was ready to spend the rest of her life with me, and she said no. <laughs> I've never shied away from hard things. We didn't know what we were doing. But by the grace of God, we had determined that it was time to get married. I mean, you do the math. It's five months, people. And we said, well, we're going to get married in, in the fall. I love the fall. We're going to get married in the fall. And we looked for the wedding venue that we thought, and this is like backwards in how you should do things, by the way. We looked for the wedding venue, and um, there wasn't anything available when we wanted to get married. And so we were like, okay, well, forget the fall. Let's just get married this summer. <laughs> and we got married on July 7th. It was a Friday because there was nothing available on Saturday because <laughs> I had just asked her to marry me a couple of months before. And we were broke. I think we spent $100 on the wedding. My in-laws uh, pulled together all their resources and brought food. It was a potluck. My mother-in-law made the wedding dress with her friend. Cake. Don't eat that stuff after five years. They say freeze that and eat it. Don't do that, especially if it's homemade. That wasn't any good. The venue was a church that we were part of. The reception was at uh, Hamlin Beach State Park, 50 bucks for the pavilion. There were strangers that showed up at our wedding uh, reception at times. It was great. We used outhouses for the toilets. But we loved each other. Four months later, my mother-in-law died. If we'd have waited till late October, Nancy wouldn't have been with us or had the joy. And she wasn't sick going into the wedding or even going into the time when she passed. Little did we know that a few months later we would navigate uh, another kind of difficult blow with my father becoming ill. That was a few years into our marriage, which ultimately ended in his passing in 2006. Um, and then her father passing a few years after that. I mean, we've, been, we've navigated death together, I think, fairly well, mostly because we have tremendous hope in what is to come and because of the strength of our partner. We've been blessed with three beautiful daughters, 
some extra daughters along the way, if you know Jillian and others who have come in and out of our lives and grandkids. It's been a good journey. I want to encourage you if you're waiting on marriage to get married. And if you're living outside the boundaries of what God's word says to do and not do, this just means if you're having sex before you're married, stop doing that. Friends, listen, that's not God's best for you. If you want God's best, live according to the plan. Play the game the way God says to do it. Then you won't get flagged for going out of bounds. It's good. I know that's tough. I know that's hard stuff. And there's a lot of things surrounding that. But when Jesus becomes the center of our relationships, we experience the grace of God in ways like never before. If you brought your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. God wants you to enjoy this journey of marriage and life. And Paul opens this chapter with saying, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He uses some really strong language to show how we're going to navigate life and experience the good stuff. We're going to pick up at verse 4. He says this about love. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it is not, it is not, it is not. (laughs) In fact, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always, if you write in your Bibles, maybe underline the word always there, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there is tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And then he gives us this little nugget right here. And I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm going past what the, the thing says. So just, just listen or keep reading in your Bibles. Pastor Tom's in Gary this morning, but he can still hear as you're turning the pages. He says this, he says, uh, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. I want to just encourage you to, to grow up. To put the childish ways behind you. He says, when I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Maybe your translation says charity. I love that. I love that translation, actually. And the greatest of these is love. And I think we need one more verse. He opens up the next chapter with follow the way of love. So if marriage and life together is this journey... We want to be able to enjoy it. You know, I spent the week at Royal Family and then at family camp. And those two things were very different. (laughs) One I was serving, the other I was being served in. And at family camp, we played a lot of games. And you had a choice. You could either sit on the sidelines and watch the game, or you could get in the game and participate. How many of you have been enjoying the game of pickleball? The game that has taken the world by storm? One. Okay, perfect. Okay, 
The ones that are waving their hand frantically, don't play against them. They're really good. Not true. Play against the ones that are better than you. Uh, we got a chance to play pickleball and spike ball and volleyball and basketball and all these different things. And you got to be part of the process. And you know, when, uh, when everybody was kind of on the journey together, it wasn't, it wasn't real difficult to have fun. It's when we got into the championship games that things got a little bit more serious and people didn't look like they were having any fun anymore. But I want to invite you in this journey of marriage and, and, and the game of life, and not to be taken lightly, just as an analogy, right? To enjoy it. To let joy fill you. And if you're not enjoying your marriage right now, maybe ask God to help you with that. If you've tried everything else you can possibly think of, maybe it's time to invite God to restore that. And see what he does. Paul says that uh, he's able to do immeasurably more, an unquantifiable amount more than you can even think or imagine. There is no marriage that is too broken for God to reconcile. Just want you to know that. I've sat with some really broken situations and watched Almighty God restore into right relationship a husband and a wife who are able to tell a testimony of God's grace in the midst of really tough stuff. There's some practical ways that maybe we can enjoy the game, okay? Many of you drive cars. Don't look at my car. My car's really dirty, okay? But I asked a friend one time, his car was always clean in the winter. Always clean. Some of you are like, yeah, it's like my car. I don't like the salt on it. And he said to me, he said, well, I made a pretty big investment into the vehicle. I probably should wash it once in a while. I'm like, that's probably a good idea. How do you wash your car? He's like, well, in the wintertime, I go to the car wash. I said, what do you do in the summertime? He goes, I wash it at home. I said, how often do you wash your car? He says, as often as it's dirty. I'm like, well, give me an estimate. Is it once a week, once a month? He said, sometimes it's daily. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And I kind of tucked that away in the old brain bank. And I'm pulling it out today for you. Maybe this thing that God has given you that is the most valuable treasure second to your relationship with Jesus has gotten a little bit dirty. And you need to continue to make an investment into it. You see, every time my friend went to the car wash, his car came out clean afterwards. It's kind of how that works. He made the investment, it came back clean. He made the investment, it came back clean. So a couple of practical ways to invest in your marriage is uh, continue to date each other. Wives, let your husbands date you. Let them take you out. Do some fun stuff, right? Don't just do boring things unless you're really boring. Do fun stuff and guard that time carefully. You know what's the, the greatest sap of time in your marriage early on at least it's going to be those little monsters called children that are blessings from God blessings from God and the enemy uses them as a tool for his purpose to derail the marriage invest in your marriage guard that time Make that time very special. Your kids will, will begin to see that. I remember every Friday night. Friday night was date night. 
When we were little, my parents would bring us back some kind of little trophy called a toy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, what'd you bring us today? Very seldom did they not bring us some little cheap nugget of gold. But they always went out on Friday nights. Always. Invest in that time. Make the investment. And make no mistake, my, we grew up fairly poor. My father was the only breadwinner and he was a preacher. We did not have financial resources, but they went out every Friday night. And that usually consisted of date night. Not like the country song, date night at Applebee's, but date night somewhere. And then shopping for groceries so that we could get through another week. Spending time together. Be creative in what it looks like. Don't always do what you want to do, right? <laughs> Let your partner pick the activity once in a while. See, remember, love always puts the other person's desires first. Make reconciliation with each other a priority. The second practical thing, make it a priority in your marriage. Don't harbor bitterness and resentment and anger and envy. But be patient with each other. And be kind to one another. You're going to have arguments. Sometimes those arguments, we work really hard to make sure nobody else sees them. Well, the problem is your kids have really good ears. And they're really good at reading body language. And they can tell when mom and dad are mad at each other, right? So if we pretend like we're never having a disagreement and they never see the reconciliation, they begin to think that, well, we don't need to fix this. Make reconciliation with each other a priority and let those around you see it. And then the last thing, maybe uh, one of the more difficult ones, is don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Pride is the great divider in marriage. I think that's why Paul opens with love is patient and love is kind. Doing those two things forces us to put the other person first. Put the needs of your spouse above your own. Likewise, in marriage, don't think less of yourself than you ought to. Have a sober assessment of who you are and be your spouse's champion. Some of you have been married a long time, had the, the privilege, wait a minute, I'm gonna, I think it, it's public knowledge. I, I hope, I'm, I'm going to, I'm tiptoeing on really thin ice right now. Where's Scott and Brenda? Can you guys stand up for just a minute? Come on, just, just for one second. You don't have to do anything real special. You ready to dance? We're really close to 50 years. Are we there yet? Two weeks. Ah, two weeks. You going to make it? There are several others in the room who are, are, are 50 years and beyond. But uh, these guys celebrated 50 years about a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, I, said, I said, you're not there yet. How do we know you're going to make it? Oh, we're going to make it. They had a confidence in where they were going together. And they love each other. Love doesn't always mean we like each other every moment of every day. I asked Leslie, and I asked her if I could share this, so this is, a, this is a okay to share, not like the birthday and age thing. But anyway, uh, I asked her, I said to her, <laughs> I said to her last night, I said, honey, what's the most annoying thing I do? <laughs> now you all got your pens ready now, don't you? She said, you want me to pick just one? <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know, uh, they publish things like, like this list right here, which says the top 40 most annoying things spouses do. 
This is published information. I didn't come up with any of these. Snores, doesn't listen to what you're saying, passes gas, <laughs> makes a mess when cooking, leaves crumbs on the kitchen table, uses their phone when you're trying to have a con- I mean, it's a, it's a list of all kinds of crazy things. Doesn't hang up a wet towel, sleeps in all the time, never asks how your days. There's a list of things that, that annoy us about the other person. And you know what you could do? You could probably make a list too. You can take that list and you can burn it. Because if you make that list and you start focusing on that list, that's all you're going to see. Rather, make a list of the things that you love about the other person. I invite all the couples that get married, whether they are 20 years old and going into marriage or 80 years old and going into marriage, to make a list of the top 10 things they love about the other person. That's been really fun to read later, by the way. Focus on the the things that we love about the other person, the characteristics, the traits that God gave them. Then you too can get to the end, like Scott and Brenda, you're going to make it. And you can win the game. And you can hear from your heavenly father when that crown of righteousness is awarded to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have kept the faith. I wish you would have written this in there in that section, but it wasn't just to married couples. You've kept the faith. You've remained faithful. Henceforth, there is laid up for you, and not only to you, but to all who long for his appearing, this crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, appoints to you. Be proud of what God has done in and through you. And as you're moving along further in the journey, invest in the lives of those who are coming behind you. Give them the nuggets of gold. And if I could just pause for a moment of, of, of privilege, just for a second, okay? Don't joke around about that. So often when someone comes and says, hey, what's the secret to marriage? You know, ah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that as a Christian. Stop doing that. Tell them the real reason why your marriage is surviving and thriving. Tell them to to spend time with Jesus and with each other. Tell them to to let go of the things that aren't worth holding on to. Tell them to, to invest in ways that you guys have invested in. Marriage is serious business, and we've got to reclaim that institution that God desired for us to have and to experience. And it begins with you, the church. God's best plan. And you look pretty good, too, by the way. You're going to make it. Just like Scott and Brenda are going to make it. You're going to make it if you allow Jesus to be the center. Share that with others. So they, too, can find hope in the journey. I know that this is just a little tiny snapshot of something that is really big. But invest in your marriage. Keep Jesus at the center and share what you've been given with others. Holy and gracious God, thank you for being present with us today. That love is the central piece of the institution. God, as we invest in in marriage, would we find grace by the power of your Holy Spirit to love each other more fully? 
to forgive the wrongs that have been committed against us and to receive that gift of reconciliation. Jesus, you've been gracious to us. Help us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.